0: This program is made possible by BibleWayMedia.org Overseen by the Uluga'a Church of Christ in Ulaga, Oklahoma You're listening to Opening the Scriptures with Don Boyd Welcome to the program today,
1: this is Don Boyd I want to welcome you to Opening the Scriptures Today we're going to ask another important question But we'll do that in a minute In Ecclesiastes 9.5 Solomon wrote in the first part of that verse, For the living know that they shall die. We all know that we are going to die unless the Lord returns before we do, and then we shall be changed. You see, death is a reality. Death is an appointment we all will make. And we've all experienced the death of a loved one. We stood beside a coffin in which a lifeless body of a loved one lay. And we know that one day that body in the coffin will be ours. Well, what if that day is today? What if my life ended today? Well, if my life ends today, I am not going to be concerned about the things of this world. My bank account that's not going to matter one bit. It is going to be of no concern to me how much is in my bank account if I die today. You see, my only concern will be is if I have laid up treasures in heaven. In Matthew chapter 6 verses 19 to 21. Matthew 6:19 to 21. Jesus says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. In First Timothy chapter 6, let's look at verses 6 through 12. 1 Timothy chapter 6. We're going to be looking at verses 6 through 12. Paul writes, But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. Be content with what you have, in other words. Verse 9. But they that will be rich, the American standard says they that are minded to be rich, they want to be rich, that's their desire, fall into temptation and a snare and into many hurtful, foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith. And pierce themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things. Flee that love of money. Flee that love of wealth. And follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. That goes right back to verse 6. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Verse 12 now, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. See, the wealth of this world is fleeting. Just ask those who lived through the stock market crash in 1929 how many people jumped off buildings because their bank account was the only concern that they had. In Luke chapter 12 verses 16 to 21, Luke chapter 12 verses 16 to 21, we have an individual who, whose bank account was of concern to him, or his worldly goods. And he, that being Jesus, spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully, and he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? See, his bank account was all concerning to him, but when he died, it wasn't of any concern to him anymore. Well, another topic here. If my life ends today, my pride's not going to be of any concern to me either because my only concern then will be if I humbled myself before God. In Exodus chapter 10, let's look at verse three. Exodus chapter 10, and we're gonna look at verse three. Moses and Aaron here talking to Pharaoh. It says, Moses and Aaron came in unto Pharaoh and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord God of the Hebrews, how long wilt thou refuse to humble thyself before me? Let my people go that they may serve me. Are we in that kind of shape? How long will it be before we humble ourselves before God? In Deuteronomy chapter 8, look at verse 2. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2. Moses recounting the history there says, And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness to humble thee, and to prove thee, and to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. Those forty years, to humble them and to prove them. And then look at Proverbs sixteen nineteen. Proverbs sixteen nineteen. Better it is to be of a humble spirit with the lowly, than to divide the spoil with the proud. And then Matthew twenty three twelve. Matthew chapter twenty three. Verse twelve. It says whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted and in one other verse concerning this james 4 6 through 10 james chapter 4 verses 6 through 10 it says but he that being god giveth more grace wherefore he saith god resisteth he opposes the proud but giveth grace to the humble Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted, and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. You know, will my pride lead to my downfall? Proverbs sixteen eighteen, pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before fall. Or will my humility lead to my salvation? 1 Peter 5, 6. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God. That he may exalt you in due time. So, will my pride bring me down or will my humility cause God to exalt me if I die today? Well, if my life ends today, my knowledge of worldly things is going to be useless. You know, I'm not going to be judged by how good a fisherman I was, how good a hunter I was, how good I was in business, how good I was at playing baseball, or how good I was at wood carving and things such as that, taking a motor apart, putting it together. You know, there's nothing wrong with those things, but my knowledge of worldly things is going to be useless if I die today. The only thing that I'm going to be concerned about Is have I studied the word of God and obeyed the word of God? You know, second Timothy two fifteen, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Have I studied it and have I obeyed it? James one twenty two to twenty five. James chapter one verses twenty two to twenty five. James writes there, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he's like unto a man, beholding his natural face in a glass, or a mirror there. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deeds. You know, whenever we look at this passage, James is using an example there for us. You know, he says, Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving our own selves. Then he gives an illustration. For if you hear the word and you're not a doer, you're likened to a man who looks into a mirror and he sees his hair's messed up and he sees he needs to do things to make himself look better and then he just goes away. He does not make any corrections. Well, that is like the individual who hears the word of God and looks into the mirror of the word of God Sees the changes or the corrections that they need to make in their life and then go away without making those corrections. But then he mentions the other one, verse 25, we look into the perfect law of liberty, you know, we're looking into the word of God and continue with therein. In other words, we see the corrections that need to be made and we make the corrections he being not a forgetful here, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed, just like the man looking in a mirror, seeing he needs to comb his hair and he combs his hair. He looks in the mirror, sees he needs to shave, he shaves. Just like us looking into the Word of God, I need to change my life to match the Word of God, so i change it. That's what he's looking at there. So we think about that now look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 18 to 25 in other words again did I study the word of God and did I obey it. 1 Corinthians chapter 18 verse 25. It's not 1 Corinthians it's 1 Corinthians 1 18 to 25. I'll get this straight. 1 Corinthians 118 for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. Now you think about it, you go out and you talk to people and you know I, did you go to worship services Sunday oh no no I didn't do that that's that's not something I don't need to do that, that's kind of foolish to do that I had I needed to catch up on my sleep Sunday because I went and played Saturday and I've got to be rested for. Uh, Monday when I go back to work so I slept in or or maybe I, I needed to go, uh, you know I had some time here and it was uh, snagging season and I wanted to go snag some spoonbill or wanted to go fishing, wanted to go hunting wanted to go to the ball game I had some friends come in and didn't have that opportunity well it's foolish to people of the world for Christians to assemble together to worship God But to those who? Those who are saved, that preaching, that teaching, that's the power of God. Verse 19, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath God not made foolish the wisdom of this world? God's wisdom more than man's wisdom. We can't even come close. Verse 21, for after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. You see, is is preaching foolish? No, but to people of the world it is. Those that don't believe in God, those that don't care to obey God, they don't care. But those who do obey, it's wise. Verse 22, for the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. Under the Jews, a stumbling block. They just can't get over that. They can't be the Messiah. To the Gentiles or to the Greeks, foolishness. They discount inspiration. It, it's, I'm to live this life and I'm to be like that rich man, that rich farmer back there in Luke 12. I want to have everything that I need and when I retire. I want to eat, drink, and be merry. Verse 24, but unto them which are called, called by the gospel, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Because, verse 25, the foolishness of God, and that's talking about preaching, is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. So if my life ends today, I hope that I have gotten my education from God's Word. That's where the wise get their education. But let's think about something else now. If my life ends today, what kind of an example have I been? What kind of an example have I been to my family, to my friends, to fellow Christians? You see, in Matthew chapter 13, verse 19. Matthew chapter 13, verse 19. It says, When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which receives seed by the wayside. This is the individual who hears the Word of God. Well, let's just use this example. I know a man who was not a Christian. He never darkened the church building door unless it was a funeral. He, he'd heard the Word of God, and he went home, and he told his wife, and the lesson that day was on the Holy Spirit, he said, you're not going to tell me there's some ghost floating around here. He could have cared less. He heard that word, Satan came and took it away from him. What kind of an influence did he have on his family? Well, he had four sons. And after he died, there was one of the sons, and the mother was walking through the pasture one day, and she said to him, I had all of you boys going to church at one time, and till Daddy said no. And when daddy said no, one of the boys quit going immediately. Later on, one of the boys fell away. What kind of an influence did that man have on his family? Well, of his 11 grandchildren, only three are faithful. And of those great-grandchildren, very few are as well. So what kind of an influence did he have? But now let's look at a Bible individual that is, that is recorded for us in the Bible. And he's found in 1 Kings 16:26. That's the first count we're going to look at. 1 Kings 16, 26. The man's name is Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. Verse 26 says of Amri, who was Ahab's father, For he walked in all the way of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and in his sin wherewith he made Israel to sin, to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger with their vanities. Now, you think of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. You know, Solomon had all these wives, and they led his heart astray, and God said that he was going to take part of the kingdom away from Solomon after he died from Solomon's son, Rehoboam. Well, when Solomon died and Rehoboam became king, Jeroboam and Israel revolted against Judah because of what Rehoboam was going to do. So Jeroboam, God told Jeroboam, I'm going to give you ten tribes and you know, all you obey me and everything's going to work out well. Well, Jeroboam didn't believe that. He thought that if the children of Israel did as what was required in the law of Moses, went back down to Jerusalem to sacrifice, they're going back to Rehoboam. In other words, Jeroboam didn't believe God. So Jeroboam built or made two golden calves and he put one up in the north part of the country in Dan, the city of Dan. And he put one in the southern part of the country in the city of Bethel. So those two golden calves, and he said, oh, it's just too hard for you to go worship you know, down in Jerusalem. Won't you just come up to Dan or go to Bethel? This is easier on you. You don't even have to get out of the house. You can just sit home and watch it on the computer. How many people are doing that now? Well, Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who caused Israel to sin. Look at verse 31 talking of Ahab. It came to pass as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, that he took to wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Zidonians, and went and served Baal and worshiped him. So he also walked in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. Well, let's look at some more references to him. Let's look at 1 Kings 22:52. 1 Kings 22:52. Here of Ahaziah, the son of Ahab. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord and walked in the way of his father and in the way of his mother and in the way of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin. What kind of an influence did Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, have on a nation? Look at another passage, 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 3. 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 3. It says there, Nevertheless, he cleaved unto the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, which made Israel the sin. He departed not from them. That's Jehoram he's talking about. Verse 1 says, Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who caused Israel to sin. In Second Kings chapter 10, look at verse 29. Second Kings chapter 10, verse 29. Speaking of Jehu. Said, howbeit, from the sins of Jeroboam the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin, Jehu departed not from after them, to wit, the golden calves that were in Bethel and that were in Dan. Jeroboam the son of Nebat, the one who caused Israel to sin, he destroyed a nation with his influence, because they went into Assyrian captivity, never to reemerge as a nation again. Well, let's look at it a little different way. Did I obey God's Word and then fall away and, do, and influence others to do the same? Well, let's go back to Matthew 13 now and look at verses 20 to 22 in the parable of the sower. These are the ones who obey the Word of God, obey the Gospel, and then fall away. Verse 20. But he that receiveth seed into the stony places, the same as he that heareth the word and anon or at first with joy receiveth it, yet he hath not rooted himself, but dureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended, or he stumbles, the American Standard says. Verse 22. He also that receives seed in the thorns is he that heareth the word and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. See, that's the kind of an individual we're looking at now. Well, let's go back to the example that we were looking at a while ago. One of the sons was faithful. Three of the sons were faithful. One of them had a, a serious accident and he decided that it was God's fault. Where was God when that happened to me? God is not, God and the devil, they're nothing but two schoolyard bullies trying to get, see who can get the most on their side and I'm not going to have any part of either one of them. Well, it doesn't work that way because there's only two masters, God and Satan. So he fell away. Neither of his sons, are faithful. They were both Christians. Neither of those grandchildren are faithful. Neither none of the great grandchildren are faithful. What kind of an influence does he have? Well let's look also at a biblical example. Let's go to Colossians chapter four, verse fourteen. Colossians chapter four, verse fourteen. Paul's here in Roman prison his first imprisonment. And he says, "Look, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Then we go over to the book of Philemon. We look at verse 24. Philemon, verse 24. If I can ever get out of Hebrews, there we go. <laughs> it says, and again, Paul in the same Roman imprisonment. Marcus, Aristarchus, Demas, Lucas, my fellow laborers... Well, we're looking at this man by the name of Demas here. We go over to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10. He's, Paul's now in his second Roman imprisonment. And he says, Therefore Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. See, when Demas forsook Paul, he forsook God as well. Demas loved this present world. He loved the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. He fell away. And God gives a description of what a Christian who falls away looks like to him. We go to Second 2 Peter 2, 20-22, and we're looking at Christians. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, those are people who have obeyed God's word. They have become Christians. They were added to the church, Acts 2.47. But then he says they are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. You know, there would have been those. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Galatians 6, verse 1. Brethren, if any man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. So here's an individual overtaken in a fault over here in 1 Peter 2, 20. They are entangled therein and overcome. But they weren't restored. And that's when Peter says, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. Why? Verse 20, 21. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. See, what do we have there? Why would it be worse? Can you imagine facing Jesus the judge on judgment day And he says, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. And you're thinking to yourself, I had salvation, and I gave it up because I love this present world. So God then gives a description of that individual who obeyed his word and then fell away there in verse 22. But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb. The dog turned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed to were wallowing in the mire. Yeah, I grew up on a farm. I saw dogs throw up and then walk over there and just eat their throw up. They eat their vomit. God said that's what a Christian looks like to him that has fallen away. You take that sow that's washed and you take it down to the FFA show or whatever it may be and that thing is just as clean as it can be and everything you get back home, first thing it does is go out and get in the mud. That's what a Christian who falls away looks like to God. But then let's look at the other side of that. Was I faithful to God, and did I influence others to be faithful also? Did I tend services faithfully? Hebrews 10:25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Did I teach others the gospel? Matthew 28:18 to 20. Matthew 28:18 to 20. Jesus there said unto them, All power or all authority is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Did we teach others the gospel? And then, was my life an example of godliness? Titus 211 to 15. Titus chapter two verses 11 to 15. It says, "For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men, Now notice teaching us denying ungodliness and worldly lust, lust flesh, lust the eyes, not pride of life. We should live soberly, under self-control, righteously, living right according to what God's word says, and godly, living a godlike life in this present world. See, we're to do that now, and that that's not all looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great god and our savior Jesus Christ who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify to himself a peculiar or a special people zealous of good works these things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority let no man despise thee did we do these things? Was I a parent or a grandparent like Lois and Eunice who were Timothy's? Lois is grandmother and Eunice is mother. Look at Second Timothy 1, 4 and 5. Second Timothy chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. Paul says, "...greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may may be filled with joy." Again, Paul's in his second Roman imprisonment, in which he will be beheaded. In verse 5 he says, "...when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith, the sincere faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois, and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Are we a parent or a grandparent like Lois and Eunice? Did I influence others to be faithful? You know, going back to that example we saw earlier about the man that never darkened the church building door except for a funeral, and his wife was faithful and she did influence others to be faithful well if my life ends today i am going to know my eternal destination you see if i die today my body will lie in the dust of the earth and my spirit will return to god ecclesiastes 12:7 ecclesiastes chapter 12 verse 7 It says there, Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the spirit shall return unto God who gave it. You see, we have an immortal spirit. We are immortal. We had a beginning, but we don't have an end. Now, there's going to be an end of this physical life, but we we don't cease to exist when this physical body dies. You know, Whenever we look in James two twenty-six, James chapter two, verse twenty-six, it says, Therefore as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so then faith without works is dead also. The body without the spirit is dead. Well, we have an example back in Genesis chapter thirty-five of that happening. Genesis 35, look at verses 16 to 18. And here we have Jacob and Leah and Rachel and all that family, they're traveling. And again, down in verse 16, and they journeyed from Bethel, and there was a little way to come to Ephrath. And Rachel travailed, and she had hard labor. She was delivering. And it came to pass, when she was in hard labor, that the midwife said unto her, Fear not, thou shalt have this son also. And it came to pass, as her soul was in departing, for she died, that she called his name Benoni, but his father called him Benjamin. Benoni, son of my sorrow, Benjamin, son of my right hand. But we see that her physical body was dying because her soul was departing. That's death. Our soul, our spirit here departs from this physical body. This physical body ceases to exist. It dies. It goes back to the dust as we saw there in James twelve seven. And when my body goes into the dust and my spirit returns to God, it goes into the Hadean realm. We go over to Luke chapter 16 and we look at verses 19 to 31. Luke sixteen nineteen to 31. Now, you look at this, some people try to call it a parable. Others call it as an actual event. Well, Jesus never gave a parable that could not have been an actual event. Well, also, Jesus never names anyone in a parable. So we're going to look at this as an actual event that has taken place. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores. So we have two individuals here. We have this rich man ate anything you wanted. It was a wonderful feast every day. Then we have this beggar by the name of Lazarus. You look at the word laid there in the Greek, it means thrown down. So somebody just take Lazarus and throw him down there at the gate of this rich man. And verse 21 says, Lazarus of Lazarus, and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table... Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So, you think about the crumbs that are left on your table when you get through eating. What do we do? Well, we get a a dish rag or something and we wipe all them up. We put them in the trash. That's what Lazarus desired to eat. He wanted the crumbs. And then notice who was taking care of him the dogs were. They were licking his sores. People weren't taking care of him. The dogs were taking care of him. Well, verse 22, it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. You'll notice it doesn't mention that Lazarus was buried, but he was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. So now we know that in the Hadean realm, there is an area that is called Abraham's bosom. When Jesus was on the cross, He told the penitent thief there, I say unto thee today, thou shalt be with me in paradise. So there's Abraham's bosom, also known as paradise, as a region in this place called Hades. Well, verse 23, it says, the King James Version says in hell, you look up the Greek word, it is Hades. That's the way the American Standard translates it. So And in Hades, he, the rich man, lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. So now we see there is another area, or another section of the Hadean realm. Lazarus was in Abraham's bosom, or paradise. This rich man is in torments. And you'll notice that they can see one another, Verse twenty four. He cried and said, "Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may tip the dip, dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I'm tormented in this flame." You'll notice there, and I had this point brought out to me, and i hadn't never thought about this. That rich man's attitude hadn't changed, had it? Send Lazarus. You know, he's he's a lowly being. Send Lazarus down there, get it some water, come touch the tip of my tongue with it. But Abraham said. Son, remember, so there's a conversation taking place here, that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. You know, that rich man could have comforted Lazarus many a time. He had that opportunity every day Lazarus was put at his gate, and he refused. But then Abraham tells something else about this region called Hades verse 26. And beside all this between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. In other words, we have paradise or Abraham's bosom, we have torments but there is this great gulf between them. You can't get past that. You are not going from one realm to the other in other words. So, the rich man then then he said, verse 27, I pray thee therefore that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. There's that attitude again. You know, send him. For I have five brethren that he may testify unto them lest they come also into this place to torment. You see, that rich man was now concerned for his lost family. Too late. Too late. Verse 29, Abraham said unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one go unto them from the dead, they'll repent. They're not going to listen to Moses' words, but if you send one from the dead, they will. Well, he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. It's the same way today. Jesus rose from the dead and still the majority of humankind do not believe in him. So, if I die today, that's where I'm going to be. Well, in other words, I will know then whether I'm innocent or guilty. And I will wait there until resurrection day. The day of resurrection, 1 Corinthians, look at chapter 15, verses 51 to 53. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 to 53. Paul says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In other words, there are going to be people living on this earth when Christ comes back, but everyone's going to be changed that is living and dead. All shall be changed. And it says, in in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, that's how quick it's going to happen, at the last trump. That tells us when. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Now that means all the dead will be given an incorruptible body, a body that will never die die, and so will those who are still living when he comes back. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. On the resurrection day then, that's going to happen. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, look at verses 13 to 18. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18. Paul says, But I would not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, words those that have already died, that ye sorrow not even as others which have no hope. Those who don't believe in God, they have no hope. For if ye believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him out of that Hadean realm. And they'll be changed, given that immortal body. For this we say unto you, verse 15, by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. are not going to precede them. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so, or in that way, shall we ever be with the Lord, Wherefore comfort one another with these words. On the resurrection day, that is going to happen. Look over in John. The book of John chapter 5. The book of John chapter 5, verse 28 and 29. Jesus says, Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming which all that are in the grave shall hear His voice and shall come forth. They that have done good to the resurrection of life and they that have done evil to the resurrection of damnation. We're all going to come forth. We're all going to be changed. We're all going to be given that immortal body. Some of us will be eternally in heaven some of us will be eternally in hell because that is when the judgment will take place. Hebrews 9, 27. And as it is appointed in a man once to die and after this the judgment. You see, it's kind of like our court system. Whenever we die, we go to the Hadean realm, we've been declared innocent or guilty. On the judgment day, we're going to receive our sentencing. Punishment or blessing. So we go to Matthew 25 Matthew 25 verses 31 to 34 verses 31 to 34. Now, verse 31, when the Son of Man shall come in His glory, that's the last day, we've already seen that. And all His holy angels with Him, we saw that as well. Then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory, and before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as the shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats, and he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world, But to them on the left hand, verse 41, then shall they say also to them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. It was prepared for the devil. It was prepared for those that followed him, spirit beings. But every unfaithful human being will be there as well. In Revelation chapter 20, look at verses 12 through 15. Revelation chapter 20, verses 12 through 15. We're looking at the judgment again. John says, And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And another book is opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. So we have the book of life. We have the books. What books? The books of my thoughts, deeds, actions on this earth. And I will be judged according to what I have done. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death, and notice Hades, they're not hell, it's Hades, delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works, whether they be good or bad. And death and Hades again were cast into the lake of fire. That's hell. This is a second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So we have, if I die today, I'll go to the Hadean realm. I'll know if I'm going to be innocent or guilty before God. And then I look forward to or I dread the judgment day. Can you imagine being in paradise where everything is so wonderful and then looking forward to something even better? Or can you imagine being in torments in Hades and realizing that's the best you're ever going to have? Because on judgment day you're going to that place of outer darkness, of weeping and gnashing of teeth where the worm dieth not, where there is fire that is never quenched. Well, my purpose in this life and your purpose in this life is to prepare for the life that is to come. Again, going back to Ecclesiastes, this time chapter 12 verses 13 and 14. Ecclesiastes 12, 13, and 14, Solomon said, After everything, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole of man. And in he says, For God shall bring every work into judgment, and every secret thing, whether it be good or evil. So if my life ends today and my life is but a vapor and so is yours, James 4, 13 to 15. Have we been wasting our time or can we say as Paul said in 2 Timothy 4, 6 to 8 for I am now ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. I've fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not unto me only, but unto all them also who love his appearing. So if my life ended today, have I been faithful, or have I not? Well, again, this is Don Boyd thanking you for tuning in to the program today and we look forward to being with you next time
0: when you're in moody missouri you're invited to visit the moody church of christ located on highway e in moody missouri the congregation there meets on sunday morning at 10 a.m for bible class 11 a.m for worship and then again at 6 p.m for sunday evening worship they also meet at 6 p.m on wednesday night for bible study we thank you for tuning in today we hope you enjoyed this program